Well, amen. Can we give the band another round of applause? They work pretty hard to sound like that, and uh, I was really blessed by worship this, uh, this morning. I uh, texted our, uh, my name is Bradley, by the way, and I'm one of the elders here at Phoenix Bible Church, and I texted, we have a, a text group with the elders, and I texted them yesterday jokingly saying, hey guys, you know, if this is for sermon prep, if we were the Spice Girls, who would be whom? <laughs> and uh, that was intended maybe to give Tim a little anxiety, uh, jokingly. And then this morning, one of our elders, Brad Hart, his wife asked me, hey, are you going to do the, the Spice Girls thing? And I was like, no, that wasn't really a thing that I was going to do. But then she told me how invested he had become in determining <laughs> which Spice Girl we would be. And he sent links, and uh, it was uh, psychologically relevant. And uh, so anyways, I wanted to he, you're Sporty Spice. He really wanted us to know, out of all the elders, Graham's baby, if you guys don't know who these people are, that doesn't mean anything. But I was Scary Spice. I didn't appreciate that, but, um, but I was just joking in the first place. And, uh, but thanks a lot, Jessica, for sharing that uh, story with me. Well, I am one of the elders here at Phoenix Bible Church. And uh, what is an elder? If you're new to church or maybe you haven't been uh, in a while and you've... Um, and you're not used to all of our churchy lingo, well, what an elder is and what an elder does is they lighten the load. Is that what you say, Tim? Lighten the load? So, like, so I'll preach today, and then after I finish folding his laundry later, <laughs> I'll be done for the whole day, which is really gracious. No, it's been an honor to serve alongside Tim and Jay. We've been here since the inception of this church many years ago. And um, it has been an honor to watch the way that Phoenix Bible Church has developed, has come from where we were, has come to where we are now, and it doesn't stop there because we're looking ahead to where we're going to go in the future. And it's not about the name of Phoenix Bible Church, it's about making the name of Jesus known in Central Phoenix. We say this is a, a, a kingdom outpost, and that's truly what this church is and continues to become even more so throughout the years. So... Um, I'm really excited to be here. And this is the time of year when we're all thinking about change. Uh, everyone's got change on the mind. Even if you're not a big resolutions person, I personally do not make uh, big New Year's resolutions. But it's natural at this time of year to be thinking about our health, our finances, our families, our relationships in terms of what is it going to look like throughout this year? How is 2020 going to differ from all the other years? Uh, some people do intermittent fasting. Some people do keto. I'm not saying you guys do, but some people do intermittent fasting. Some people do keto. Um, I've been doing a thing called intermittent keto, which is I'll do keto for four days every six months. And I've been doing that for about two years, right? And uh, I haven't seen results yet, but these things take time, and you can't rush them. And that's what I keep telling my doctor, but he's just so negative about everything, you know? But whether you're planning a diet or whether you're planning a budget, there's one thing that we know for absolute certain. 2020 is going to bring changes in our families, in our health, in our relationships, maybe all of the above. And there's nothing we can do about that. But as Christians, for those of us who are believers, we are called to be changing alongside 2020 to become more and more like the image of Jesus, more and more like Christ who lives in us. 
So today's message is called Starting Point for Change. And the first thing that I want us to remember in this new year before we scramble is that we have already been given everything that we need. We've been given abundant treasures of joy, and they're available to us right now. So I'm going to read from the Sermon on the Mount, and these are Jesus' words to us this morning before we start talking about ways to approach change in 2020. Matthew 5, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not adorned like one of these. So God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to us. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Before Disney Plus, <laughs> and before Baby Yoda, beautiful Baby Yoda, and before Jesus' birthday, there was, uh, it seems like a decade ago, am I right? No. Uh, so anyways, uh, so a while back, there was a lady on, the, on Netflix named Marie Kondo, and uh, woo, we got some Marie Kondo fans in the house, all right. I wasn't expecting that response, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was a show that came on Netflix, and essentially what this woman did was have a show where she uh, convinced my wife to make me throw away all of my possessions, <laughs> and shame you for the way you fold your laundry. And uh, so the way it would work is like this. Uh, my wife would hand me one of my possessions, and I would hold it, and I was supposed to get a spark of joy, like this is a little spark. And if, I, and if I didn't get that spark right away, then I had to throw away or give away my stuff. Is that right, babe? <laughs> and you know what? Marie Kondo didn't prepare me for what happened when I pulled out this shirt from my closet that I've had since we first got married. Five years ago, it used to fit really well. This is the coolest shirt I've ever owned. It's got dinosaurs, it's got RVs, and it's got cactuses all in print on it. And it was my favorite shirt, and it used to fit, and it hasn't fit for years. And occasionally, I'll pull it out of the closet and just think, like, man, as soon as this intermittent keto starts to work, <laughs> I'm definitely wearing this shirt again. And uh, when I held that shirt in my hand in context of Marie Kondo, and I was waiting, like, all right, here we go. Like, let's see if we get the spark. And she didn't prepare me because I got the spark, but I also got really upset because it didn't fit. And I got the spark of joy, but I couldn't wear the shirt. And um, for me, I don't know about you guys, I've always had something in my closet that, you know, uh, I really wanted to fit back into, and you just keep it around, and that's pretty normal. I mean, after you get married, it's normal for us to get a little bit bigger. That's just a thing that happens. I mean, for me, it's muscle mass, but for a lot of people, 
it's, it might be something else, but either way, that shirt wouldn't fit me anymore. And on this day, and the shirt hasn't fit me for years, but on this day, it bothered me way more than it should. You guys know what I'm talking about? It bothered me like in a deep down, soul frustrating, harsh kind of way where I felt a level of emotion that there's no reason I should have ever felt over an article of clothing. And what I did was I Googled how to lose 45 pounds today. <laughs> and I came up with a bunch of unhealthy results. And the thing about it was I was frustrated and I was upset and I was emotionally distraught, but I wasn't concerned in that moment about losing some weight so I could take better care of my temple, which the Bible says is, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, my body. It, I wasn't doing it so I could have a healthier, more sustainable lifestyle. I wasn't doing it for the benefit of my wife. I wasn't doing it for any of those things. What I was doing was trying to fill a need inside of my heart that can only be filled by God himself. And so in that moment when I was making those resolutions... And when I was looking for ways to rapidly fit back into that shirt and get my upper torso to squeeze into there, that resolution, those were not, they were forgettable. They were short-lived. And uh, to prove that I'm serious, I've been inspired, and I'd like to say it's by God, but I think it was by uh, Disney Plus Cinderella, because I've brought the shirt, um, and we're going to see a Cinderella slipper type situation if it fits you. Uh, two things. One, congratulations, that's great. Two, uh, you just got the coolest shirt that I've ever owned for free. And I was telling my wife about this, and she's like, wait, are you really going to do that? And I was like, I mean, maybe I'll set it up to where I give it to someone that gives it back to me at the end. <laughs> just to be totally transparent with you guys about my level of just <laughs> my own depravity. Um, but aren't we like this? Don't we constantly look to the next thing? We're always looking for the promotion. We're always looking for the next level. We're always looking to take uh, a relationship to the marriage level. And if you're married, you're always looking ahead to having a baby. We're always looking ahead to the next thing. And we get it. And there's temporary satisfaction. And then it goes away. And then we're back on the cycle. And if we're not careful, we can miss the abundant joy that is available to us as Christians today through Jesus Christ. Listen to me. I'm not saying God likes me better thick. <laughs> I highlighted that part in my notes. Because God's not opposed to me getting healthy and fitting into my favorite shirt. Change is good. Movement is good, but we can't miss the forest for the trees. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God wants us to get better. God wants us to change and to move closer towards him. But we need to run as runners in anticipation with our heads looking up, in anticipation of greater joy that he has that awaits us. Speaking of anticipation, uh, for those of you who don't know, we're having a baby. 
Alicia's having a baby. <laughs> and so the thing is, is that having, my, one of my biggest fears today was that I would get up here and that I would accidentally reveal the gender of the baby. And um, I don't know if you guys know me very well, but I'm not great at keeping a secret. And there's a precedent for her, for our concern about me revealing the gender of the baby, because when we first found out the gender, it was on a Friday in December, and uh, we were sitting in, a, in our car afterwards the next day, going to a party, birthday party for a member of our church, and we sat in the truck, and she lectured me for 20 minutes or so about not revealing the gender of the baby. And I was getting frustrated. I thought that this was crazy. I, there's no way that I'm going to do this. I got cocky, arrogant. I was frustrated. I was irritated. I was being nice because my wife's beautiful and pregnant. And we had just found out this wonderful news. And then we went into the party. And I'm not joking. Within 90 seconds to five minutes, you guys think I slipped, right? You guys think I used a he, she, him, her pronoun? No. No, I didn't do that. What happened was is Alicia was speaking with one of our friends, and our friend asked how she had felt about the latest ultrasound. And my wife said she was surprised. And then our friend said, well, why were you surprised? Which is when I entered the conversation boldly and exclaimed, she was shocked to find out we're having a girl. <laughs> I just did it again. <laughs> yeah, a girl. And the look on my wife's face, I expected her to be so mad at me in that moment. And I looked at her, and she wasn't mad. I don't know if she was just tired, but she seemed shocked. She was confused by my actions. Surely I hadn't done that unintentionally. And then, as she realized that I had, it slowly turned to a little bit more irritation and anger, and probably a little bit of concern about passing my genes on to another person. <laughs> but what a beautiful, perfect picture of the strength of my resolve. Here I was in the truck, confident, cocky, irritated, like, I'm not going to do that. I've just graduated college. There's no way I'm going <laughs> to accidentally slip and use a gendered pronoun. Get out of here. That's not me, man. And uh, that was the strength of my resolve five minutes later as I just fumbled in the most phenomenal and picturesque way. And I thought about that story more, and I realized that's a, that's a really good example of me being bad at resolve, right? Um, but that's not the whole story because I used to do hard drugs for a long time, for many years. For those of you who know me, you know more about this story, but for those of you who don't, it's a part of my history. And for many, many years, I, I, I made resolve after resolve, and um, none, of them, none of them worked. And eventually, I was able to get clean. That was many, many years ago. And I was at the stage in my addiction that medical experts, I think, call final stage. The world around me, my family, the people who knew me and my friends did not expect me to recover from that. And if I did recover, they probably weren't expecting me to have a very good life. But yet, here I am. Many years later, here I am. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't clap yet. Because what I'm saying is, is 
so I'm looking back, I'm like, that's not me, man. And people in the world, especially non-Christians, will say, hey, you did it, man. That's so strong. You're so strong. I'm like, I'm not strong. I'm so not strong. You don't know how not strong I am. But the thing is that, and when I was asking God about this sermon, like, how do I, how do I, how do I uh, equate these two things? How do I reconcile these two facts that I'm bad at this resolve? I can't even uh, keep a secret for five seconds. But yet, I somehow did a thing that's considered nearly impossible by most of the people in the world. How is it? And God kept bringing me back to a word, and the word is glory, not my glory, God's glory. God wasn't waiting on me in that moment when I was strung out to make one final resolve. God wasn't waiting for me to read the the one self-help book that would finally get me off the streets. God wasn't waiting for any of that. In fact, God was waiting for me to come to terms with the fact and look myself in the mirror and go, I am fundamentally and totally incapable of doing the very thing that I have to do if I want to survive. And at that point in my weakness, his strength became known, and he got the glory. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest on me. All of history, including this year, is a battle between good and evil, and human souls are at stake. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. We as Christians, as believers, if you're a Christian this morning, buck the paradigm of the world. We live in the middle of this battle, and 2020 is going to be the same thing. But you know what God's glory is like? God's glory is like a wounded, broken, embattled soldier who's considered a lost cause being raised back to life by God himself to devastate the enemy. That's what God's glory looks like. Yeah, and there's there's nothing better, and there's nothing better about life than being a part of that because he gets the glory and we get the joy. That's the byproduct of this equation. But maybe you're not in that boat this morning. Maybe you don't feel... Maybe you don't feel weak. Maybe you feel pretty strong, and that's great. Congratulations. But guess what? We're still obligated to look at ourselves and to find the weaknesses in our hearts and to go, God, I am not as good of a reflection of your character as I could be. By getting humble about our imperfections, we're going to be expected to do more than we could ever do in our own strength. Fact, we're going to be expected to do what is totally impossible. And we get to be a part of it, and that's God's glory. In Colossians 3, we're told, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 1 Corinthians tells us that our bodies are actually temples of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to work hard in the new year because God works hard. That reflects his character. God wants us to take care of our families and our relationships and our finances because that reflects his stewardship and his care. But by approaching that, the subject of change in context of his character, knowing how good he is, knowing that he is the source of all those good things, then we're on the right path. Then we're on the right footing to move forward in 2020 and to change some things. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11, and 12 says, 
To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The other day, I was listening to some friends talk about managing their child's screen time. And I was thinking, oh, man, that's rough that they have to do that. And then I realized, oh, I'm going to have to do that. I mean, the baby won't have a cell phone for the first six, eight months. We'll talk about it later. For a little while. And I was thinking, man, I can't even, I can barely manage my own screen time. And then I started thinking, well, what's it going to eat? The baby's going to have to eat. What is it going to eat? And I know that nursing is a thing that happens for like the first year, and I'm expecting Alicia to do most of that. <laughs> but then, thank you. <laughs> but then a point after that is Alicia and I are going to become responsible for deciding what type of food goes into the baby's body. And then I started thinking about the baby overhearing me when I speak. And now the baby can hear in the, at the point that we're at in the, in, the, in the pregnancy, the baby can hear, but I get to determine what messages I'm shouting into my wife's uterus. But there will come a time when, she's in, when the baby will not be in utero any longer. The baby will be in the other room and will overhear the things that I say, and then they might go and repeat them. <laughs> like a parrot snitch <laughs> baby. Uh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> The reason that that is so scary is because I am beginning to weigh the choices that I make, the food that I eat, the decisions that I make, all in the context of the value of the life of a child who, although not born yet, is more precious than anything I've ever been given responsibility for. The realization of my life in context of that baby's worth is enough to make me reevaluate some things. But I'm wrong for that because the name Jesus Christ is more precious than even that baby. Amen. I'm just not as aware of it as I should be. And when we begin to see our life framed by the association that we have with his name, It'll, it's enough to make us want to reevaluate some things. And it just happens, too. Like with this baby, like I'm not stressed. It's not a chore for me to reconsider some things. It's not hard because God rewires our brains when we, when we become parents to care about these things. There's a joy that comes along with it that gives us strength that can't be explained otherwise. And it's the same thing when we see God for who he truly is. It's the same thing. The realization of his worth and his value in context of our lives, it rewires our brain, and it gives us joy, and joy is our strength. So it's not a chore. He does all the hard work. Joy gives us strength. I'm going to go back to that verse that I read in, in uh, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, but uh, I'm going to switch out one of the words. with uh, This word could also be defined as this uh, new version that I'm about to read. So it goes to this end. We always pray for you that our God may cause you to walk in a way reflecting the worth of his calling, to walk in a, way, in a way that reflects the worth 
of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Faith here is described as what we believe about the worth of our calling. Did you guys know that if you're a member of the royal family, only married women can wear tiaras? I know. Also, <laughs> it's, un- it's ridiculous. Also, they're not allowed to eat pasta when they're at home or garlic at home. You want to know an easy way to memorize all that stuff? Every single rule. There's, there's so much more to the royal code. You want to know just a real quick, easy way that you can learn it all? You just marry into the royal family. Just become a member of the royal family because that's the only reason anybody would learn all of that stuff and follow all of those rules. I mean, I would not ever consider giving up pasta, garlic, and tiaras. <laughs> but the reason that the code of conduct is followed and the reason that people are willing to do it is because they understand that that code is a reflection of the worth and the weight and the responsibility of the calling of the name that has been placed on them. And ours is even bigger. Ours is even greater than the royal family. In 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8, the Bible says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as spiritual houses to be a holy, royal priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Unlike earthly royal families who happen to have a father who is a king, we have an eternally gracious, loving, caring, personal God of the universe who is the king of kings. What an even greater calling that we have. And faith is the only part that we have anything to do with. Faith is the only part that we even get to contribute to this equation where God gives us the strength to do the impossible. Faith is one of those things, though, that sometimes it feels like maybe we don't have enough of it. And I feel like that all the time. Maybe you're not even a believer this morning, and you're like, I don't have any faith. Maybe you're curious, but you're like, I don't have any of that faith. Maybe you're a Christian, but you wish you had more faith. I get that. And I would like to point out that one of my Bible heroes is a guy in Matthew 9. And this guy is begging Jesus to help heal his son, to come and heal his his kid. And Jesus says, well, if you just had faith, um, the child would be healed. And the man says, oh, I believe, and then immediately realizes that that's not entirely true and goes, help me with my unbelief. That means that Even faith, even the amount of faith that we've been given is just a gift from him. Even that is the gift of God, and we can ask him for more. We can approach him with our need for more faith. As I close, I just have some quick thoughts that I hope are challenging to us. If you're a believer, wherever you're at, maybe you're going through some stuff in this new year, maybe everything's going pretty good, wherever you're at, I would just ask that God would help us to believe more confidently in the worth and the weight of his calling on our life. And next, uh, forget your New Year's resolutions. Just forget them. Let me tell you why. 
Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Our fears and our failures do not disqualify his mercy and his goodness. Amen. So, it's not a New Year's resolution that we need to worry about. God's mercies are new every morning and every moment. So every second that we're alive is an opportunity for change when we approach the King of Kings. Lastly, I want to tell you guys about a YouTube video that I saw. <laughs> really wrap this up. Uh, so I googled unlikely animal friendships like you do. Uh, Bears with rabbits, dogs riding around on cats, or the other way around. You know what I'm talking about. And I got sucked into one of these video, um, one of these video black holes. And um, it was several videos in, and it just starts playing like, oh, I think maybe you'd like this. And I came upon a video of a baby bear who had its head stuck in a bucket. And there was a man in the video who was trying to help the bear out. Baby bear's running around, and the guy's trying to, you know, come here baby bear, and the bear's running back and forth, and he'll start to go towards the guy and then get freaked out and then run away. And, you know, he's just a baby, so he's probably like, man, I just got born, and I already got a bucket on my head. This is crazy. And the, and the bear was just freaking out, and the guy was just trying everything that he could do to help this bear who just couldn't stay still, who just couldn't trust the guy with the opposable thumbs to do the hard work in his life that he could not do on his own. And that's probably the weirdest spiritual illustration, but I thought it was just such a perfect picture of how I am in my life. Here I am scrambling, making plans, looking for opportunities to change in my own strength and my own power with my own force and consolidation of will. Meanwhile, God is just waiting with the opposable thumbs to take the bucket off of my head. So it sounds counterintuitive, doesn't line up with American culture, but what I'm going to say is we should approach the idea of changing, and we should look for opportunities to become more like Jesus. But first, we got to remember to rest. We have to take a moment to be still and to know that he is God. And when we just relax, God can come in and start to do the hard work that we just can't do on our own. Oh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your presence in this church this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to worship with all these people, and I pray that 2020 would be a year that we look back on um, as a spiritual milestone in each of our lives, where you did something incredible that we never could have expected, and only through your power and only for your grace. Amen.